the beginning of a relationship, the heightened sexuality is not real intimacy. That's called lust, people. That's called lust. Everybody has it. And no matter how hot your sex is at the beginning of a relationship, that's not how it is. Year one, year two, year five, year 10, year 19. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know those deep, dark secrets you probably want to take to your grave? Or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing? Join me each week as we deep dive into one subject, exploring the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Get ready for a more focused and revealing journey into the human experience. This new chapter of Secret Life, I am excited to have you join me along for the ride. And today we are talking about the five types of intimacy. We got physical intimacy, emotional intimacy, intellectual intimacy, spiritual intimacy, and social intimacy. Okay, the reason why I wanted to talk about this, so I know last week we did the porn, right? The porn, talking about the porn and the importance of that, that it really hit the emotional and sexual intimacy. But I think that's where people stop. They always talk about like emotional intimacy, physical intimacy. And when I actually talk to people, my clients about intimacy, they always think I talk about sexual intimacy, nothing else. That's all they think I'm talking about. I'm like, "Mm, no, there's five types. So let's do the first one. So physical intimacy, sexual intimacy. Um, That's the one I talk about the most, obviously being an addict and recovery of sex and love addiction, you know, after 14 plus years, that's what I focus on a lot. Um, So the sexual intimacy, healthy couples, you know, a lot of couples, my husband and I just celebrated 19 years together, and we even have to work on sexual intimacy. When you've been together a long time, you have to lean into different types of sexual intimacy because the beginning of a relationship the heightened sexuality is not real intimacy. That's called lust, people. That's called lust. Everybody has it. And no matter how hot your sex is at the beginning of a relationship, that's not how it is. Year one, year two, year five, year 10, year 19. Just not how it is. So I always tell people, and people hate when I say this, look at the hottest person Walking on the streets of New York, someone is tired of fucking them. Someone is tired of it. So you have to, with your partner or who you're with, redevelop sexual intimacy. Really work on it. Look at where I need to go deeper with the sexual physical intimacy. 
And if you have any trauma in your past, that's actually really difficult. So I'll give you a little story. When I started my recovery, I shut down the sexual intimacy. I couldn't actually connect the emotional intimacy and the sexual intimacy because of my trauma in the past. So when I loved you, I couldn't have sex with you because it wasn't dirty, seedy and wrong. You know, the needy, seedy and greedy part. And I couldn't connect the two. I could not do it. So it was really hard for me. So I had to learn how to lean into it, hug longer. Still difficult. I'm like, (laughs) you know, um, lay naked and hug while lay naked, but not to be physical, you know, kiss longer and just keep it to kissing. It was like different levels of intimacy. Or if I felt like I was getting high off of being intimate with Mark, I would then have to like stop doing it. It was such a pain in the fucking ass. It was so annoying because it wasn't, uh, I wasn't allowing myself to use another human body to get off because everything before was just to get off and escape and feel that high, that rush and that release, right? It was to actually be with another person and connect with them not in a way to escape myself. All right. The emotional intimacy. Okay. This one I love. I love emotional intimacy. I mean, I was one of those people that I would say, I love falling in love. It's my favorite thing in the world to like, ah, like the person I am like madly falling in love right away. But that's called love bombing. As most of you know, if you've listened to my podcast for three years, that's love bombing. That's not the same. That's like infatuation, like telling someone, feeling you're close to them immediately. And I used to do that with friends too. I mean, these are things you could do do with friends as you lean into emotional attachment very quickly with them and feel so close to them so quickly that it's like together. But unfortunately, that isn't even real intimacy. Real emotional intimacy takes time to build. So anything you're with right now that feels like, we just know each other so well, so quickly, I just met them and I felt that bond right away, or they just knew me. Warning sign, red flag in a friendship and in a partnership. Not a good sign. That is usually some form of love bomb or trauma bonding, like your trauma recognizes their trauma or similar, you know, chemistry that's being let off because real emotional intimacy actually takes time. I would say for my husband and I, for us to find real emotional intimacy, being completely open, completely vulnerable, sharing our most deepest, darkest needs, needs, feelings, deepest thoughts, like the deep, deep ones, not the shallow ones, or I want this in my life and this and this and this, but slowly revealing them, not dumping them on somebody. I think that probably took a good 10 years, at least a good 10 years, major therapy, major work on ourselves, major looking at ourselves, seeing 
where am I using that other person to fill me? Because emotional intimacy is being a whole person myself and just having someone there to be with, but you don't need them. They're there to support, but they don't fill me. And before I thought emotional intimacy is where you enmesh with them and you become one with them. And that is not true. That is just plain. You are not a whole person and you are using someone else to complete you. And that never works because usually the person you pick is not a whole person either. So what happens is after a couple of months together or longer, you realize you don't even know that person and you guys start triggering the shit out of each other. And then your emotional needs are never filled and it's unrealistic expectations and then childhood shit comes up and then it just everything just turns into crisis and that's what happens. Okay, intellectual intimacy. I didn't know this one existed. You would think I would, but I didn't for the longest time. So this is about watching films together, poetry, going to museums, talking about politics, getting complex issues, really outside looking, you know, the bigger issues of the world and talking those things through. And this is one that you wouldn't think is an intimacy, you know, going into the next level, but it is. It's healthy curiosity and learning about each other. And I say this is a good one for first dating. Look at intellectual intimacy as a first dating tactic. Who is this person? What do they think of the world? What are their beliefs? Um, what do they like to see? What's their favorite art? What's their favorite film? What's their favorite poetry to read? What kind of books are they reading? Those kind of things I love to give for first dates, the first five dates, ask those kind of questions. Here's the funny thing though. Doesn't mean you have to share the same interests as your partner, because Mark and I have been together for 19 years. We do not, we, we do not share the same interests. He loves Japanese films. You could literally poke me in the eye, put me to sleep. I rather not. Thank you very much. And our first year, I would go to watch these Japanese film subtitles and I would just literally be like, snooze fast. I mean, I can't even tell you how many plays he made me see. I, even though I'm an actor, I fucking hate plays. I am not a, a, a stage actor. I have no interest. I literally hate plays. And he made me go to so many of them. And finally, I just said, I, enough, go with a friend. I am not interested. I rather sit on the couch and watch Dateline. I do not want to go on a Friday night and waste $30 to see that play. You can go by yourself. You can go to the museum by yourself. I love art, but I don't want to walk around in a museum on a Saturday. No, thank you. No, thank you. Yes, that's a rom-com. I've done it with you about 70 times. I am not interested anymore. Go do it by yourself. Take yourself on a date. Go out with a friend. Just because your partner likes it doesn't mean you have to like it. That is the main thing because a lot of people I work with think they have to like the same things. My husband and I do not like the same things. He does not want to sit and watch Dateline with me. He does not want to do the same things I want to do. We have different interests and that still means we can expand our, our intellect with each other, but it doesn't mean we have to like the same things. 
Okay, spiritual intimacy. I actually think this one's huge. I think this one has changed my relationship with my husband more than anything else. You don't have to have the same uh, religious beliefs, but to have the same concept of the universe, I believe brings a couple closer together. This is my belief, take it or leave it. Or thoughts, feelings, belief about some spiritual, moral beliefs, life after death beliefs, any of those things. Or speech, speaking of like a God or a higher power or universe or who's actually running the show, all of that really helps a couple move through life on life's terms. Helps them go through the hard times because there comes a time in every couple, especially after a very long time together, or even after a year or after six months, where the going gets tough. Shit comes up. Every couple, no matter how great you are, things come up. You trigger each other's life on life's terms. There's death. There's a job loss. There's next level shit where you're like going to the next level. And you have to look at this is hard. And you have to sometimes go to, okay, this is bigger than us. And what is this bigger than us? And that has really helped our relationship move to the next level of intimacy. Because it's not on our shoulders. Where we're, sometimes we can't figure it out. We can say, okay, we don't understand what's going on now. I still love you. We can't come to a decision. So let's just turn this over to something bigger than us to help us figure this out. And sometimes then we go to our separate corners and have our whatever we do to help us come to the next level of understanding so we can come together and make a decision, whatever that is. So I think if I could say the one thing that has helped our relationship grow over 19 years is a spiritual intimacy, that we believe in the same things, we talk and value the same things, our morals are very similar, um, we talk about what life is about, the concept of death, uh, where we are religiously, all of that. And we and we really try to communicate and connect on that level. And that's the one I think if I could put my money on is the game changer. And really, really gets you through the tough, tough times, the times where you're like, fuck this shit. I am out. Peace out, packing my shit. I'm out. See ya. You know, the money issues, the moving issues, the name it all. It could take, it could really save you through all the hard issues. So if you are struggling in your relationship, I would say try to find some kind of common ground to have a spiritual connection over. I know this is hard right now and we don't understand why we're going through this. And I know I loved you and have loved you. And can we just say this is happening for a reason and we don't understand it? Can we turn it over to something bigger than us that we will sooner or later get to the other side? And that is a game changer. So try that if you're struggling right now. And the last one, social intimacy. Okay. Well, here's a problem. <laughs> I'm an introvert. I actually like being home. I'm a home buddy. I don't like to be out social. And when I'm social, I like to be with one person. I'm a connector to one person. 
I don't like groups. I don't like parties. I don't like events. I get really nervous when we have like a red carpet or event. I don't like to be around a lot of people at once. I have social anxiety. Mark is a little better than me. He has a little social anxiety sometimes, but he's better than me with groups. He has more fun. He loves going out. He loves doing that stuff. But so we're really different socially. He would, he enjoys all that. I do not. I would rather stay home 24 seven. I'd be happy as a camper being home all the time, except traveling. I love traveling. But anyway, so this one is really important for some people and other people it's not. So I would say for us, it didn't, hasn't affected us, but I know for other couples that we have worked with it, if this social intimacy is not worked on, it actually can break a couple. So that means social intimacy is if you share the same interests, you spend time together as a couple with other couples, you have couple friend groups, you go out together, you do things together, you take cooking classes, you learn salsa dancing, you try a new restaurant, you take yoga classes together, you do those things together. But I will say Mark and I do things together. Throughout the years, we go and do things together. We go hiking together. We go to breakfast together. We do those things together. But what we don't do is we don't go out with other couples. When we do, we have a good time. But it's not a big intimacy one that we work on all the time. So that's probably the least one in our relationship after 19 years that we do a lot of. But for other couples, it's a huge deal that if you don't open your relationship, and probably because we have a five-year-old and COVID happened, we don't do it as much, but that's called a closed system. So if you don't open your system to have other people in your world and you see them and you go out as a couple, that can happen. It can close the system and the system dies in a closed system. But the good thing is you also in that closed system, if you don't then have your individual lives, that even closes the system more. So here's the goal. If you are out there in a relationship or not in a relationship, that's okay. You can practice these intimacies, obviously not the physical one, with your friends. Look at where you're socially connected to them, intellectually connected, emotionally connected, um, you know, all those spiritually connected to your friends or your family members. And then if you are in a relationship, look at all these five and see what degree are you connected to your partner physically, intellectually, spiritually, socially you know, and see where you can build and be better where it's not so great. You know, for us, it's the social intimacy, not so great. Something we need to work on, something we need to be like, okay, we need to go on more dates. We just are trying to do that. Okay. We need to go out with more groups. We need to maybe go out with a couple. We need to expand that area of our lives because when we do do it, it actually brings more joy to our life. It actually makes us feel more alive and connected because connection is actually the thing that gets us out of isolation and self. And that for my disease of sex and love addiction, and which is an intimacy disorder, sex and love addiction is, that's all it is, an intimacy disorder, helps me 
live a fuller life, helps me stay connected, help me stay out of self, helps me stay away from all those things that plagues me, not good enough, fear of abandonment, fear of not being loved, you know, fear of rejection, all those things. So I hope that helps you. And I hope our experience as a couple has enlightened and made you look at your relationship or the relationship you want in the future of how you want to live your life with a partner um, if you're dating. So if you are dating, look at your intellectual intimacy, social intimacy. Have you met their friends yet? See if you can open that door. Spiritual intimacy. What is what is their moral values are? Are they religious? Are they spiritual? These are things you can ask a partner or someone you're dating. So thank you for joining me. I love this episode. This is so exciting. And thank you for listening to Secret Life Podcast. I'd love to know if you have any thoughts about this week's topic. And if you'd like me to talk about something, please send me a note to secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon.